I'm Nick Harcourt for AKG's Stories Behind the Sessions with Adrian Young. Adrian is a musician and producer and the drummer for the band No Doubt. He joins us on this episode to talk about the group's breakthrough album, Tragic Kingdom. That album spawned five singles, including Just a Girl, Spiderwebs, and Don't Speak, topping the Billboard 200 and international charts around the world. It has been certified diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America and sold over 20 million copies worldwide. Great to meet you, Adrian. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here, Nick. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Before we get to Tragic Kingdom, maybe you could give us a little bit of background on the band's earlier recordings. Can you tell us about the group's first album, self-titled, released in 1992? And you actually ended up recording this album twice, right? Sort of. So before we had a record deal, uh, you know, we had a decent little following in Southern California and we were able to self-fund what we thought was going to be our first record at a um, local studio called South Coast Recording in Orange County. And so we started recording this record and we never finished it because then we started to get a little bit of label interest. The, some of those songs that we recorded that we were intending to release ended up being re-recorded for our first Interscope record. So that album came out, self-titled, mm -hmm. didn't really get the traction, obviously, that anybody had hoped, and the label sort of lost a little bit of interest, right? Well, I mean, to be fair to the label, in 1992, the sound of No Doubt probably was not going to be having much success at alternative radio. And I think one of the radio stations said it would take an act of God for No Doubt to get on the radio. I believe that was K-Rock in LA. I which think you're is, right. Which is ironic when you think about what ended up happening. I, I, I smile with great vindication. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, in 1992... It was it all was, grunge. It was, it was a lot of Seattle bands, yeah. a lot of heavier bands and... There was, there was no place for what we were doing at that time. So I know you were recording on the side as well, though, right? At the same time, you were recording what ended up being your second album. That album's called The Beacon Street Collection. And so with our frustrations of, with the, the length everything was taking, we decided, fuck it, we're going to go make a, our own record. We're going to self-fund it. We're going to put it out for, you know, for the local fans and for us that, because we had so many songs. We didn't know where we were going. We were still working our jobs and going to school. And we, it, so much time had gone by, we thought, we're just going to re record the songs that are not going to make Tragic Kingdom ourselves. And in a sense, it became a B-Sides record that right. was self-funded. But we put it out before Tragic Kingdom came out because we didn't know if it was actually ever going to come out. We didn't have that confidence. Can you take us through the process of making Tragic Kingdom? You told me when we spoke as we were prepping for this conversation that you recorded it in 11 studios? 11 studios. For the reasons I mentioned before, it was, oh, we found it, you know, the label would call, we found, a, we found a good deal in a studio in Santa Monica. Can you guys be there tomorrow? Okay, here we go. Yay. Well, you know, we're, and we're excited. We're still young and we're sure. hungry. And you know, just to have the opportunity was, was something that we were very interested in. And so there was, there was a lot of those starts and stops. So by the time the album was mixed and ready for release at the end of 1995, did you guys think you had hits on the album? Oh, no. It, it felt like a miracle that, we, 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 that no doubt would even be on the radio, even right. in 95 or 96. Right. It, it just, you got to remember, it was still like, it was the, 
the Chili Peppers and Green Day and The Offspring. And, uh, you know, was there, was there an avenue there for No Doubt? It, was, it, it still felt foreign for a bit. So, yeah, when we finished this record, did we feel like, fuck, yeah, we've got a hit record there. Right. Uh, I think uh, my personal goal was if we sell 100,000 copies, right. it's going to feel amazing. You were just relieved to get to the end of the process by the sound well. of things. Yeah, and, so, and, and, go on, and go on tour. That was a big goal. So when Just a Girl started getting picked up on the radio, um, I'm guessing that the label started offering tour support. There was more of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. No, it felt it felt very different. It felt uh, way more real. Was there a sense of vindication? Absolutely. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, felt deserved because we had worked. You know, the band had been together at that point for nine years and got a song on the radio. And um, you know, to be told that to take an act of God for this band to get on the radio, and, and there we were. So. I'm not. I'm not a believer per se, but you know, to have someone to take make a strong statement like that, right? It, it, vindication was was part of it for sure. So you actually had five hits on that album, five singles that charted mm-hmm. on the radio. Yeah, and you toured pretty much relentlessly for the next couple of years. Can you talk a little bit about that time? Yeah, I mean, we we circled the globe three times on that record, and there was we grew up pretty quickly and in a, in a weird way to grow up because when you're struggling and um, living the paycheck to paycheck and trying to trying to make it all happen and scratching for change on the bottom of your car to get a burrito after rehearsal mm-hmm. and then you're headlining arenas it's 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 a and being recognized it's a it's a different way to live how'd you handle that I think we all handled it pretty well. No one developed any kind of crazy drug habits. You know, we all came from, you know, solid parenting. So that was good. It was probably a lot more drinking. I'm sure. <laughs> but um, it was mostly celebratory, I think. Right, right, right. Yeah. So then push and shove in 2012, which at this point is the last No Doubt album. Do you think we'll see any more No Doubt music? Um. I don't think so. I think that will remain our last album. Um, and unfortunately, I don't see us touring anymore either. Uh, uh, I could be wrong. You never know. Things could change. But, um, y- you know, I would love to have that feeling again, connect with the fans. It's, it's such a big deal to me. I think to all of us probably. Um, and uh, it's, it's quite a shame that we're not playing live. So you've moved out of that world into more of the production and end of things. I know that you set up a production studio and a production company called Moxie Brothers um, with Todd Foreman, who used to perform in Sublime. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have known each other a, a while, I'm presuming, before you set up shop together. Yeah, because our bands would play together, especially during the Sublime's 40 Ounces to Freedom days. And that's when Todd was playing with them the most before he went off to Harvard. He's a, he's a medical doctor now. Right. Um, except for when he comes over and plays music with me. Right. Yeah, we just get along great. And we started working with a lot of younger bands. I have a 
a studio at my house, but I have a basement, which is very rare in Southern California. And so we set up this whole experience. It's not like this experience. But right, right, right. I'm, a, I'm very gear nerdy and I, I do a lot of mixing as well, but um, our partnership is, it's a good time. I really enjoy it. And we started, now we're morphed into scoring films. And at the moment we're kind of doing quite a bit of horror films mm. and I love it. It's so fun. And it's not something I ever, it wasn't a goal of mine, but now that we're doing it, I absolutely love it. You've been doing this a while now. And we talked a little bit about the beginnings where you were rehearsing a band and going to school and obviously then finding massive success with, with no doubt. If you were to take a look back at your career in a, in a working band, um, is there anything you would do differently? And do you have any words of advice to offer uh, a, an up and coming drummer or anybody, you know, trying to get into the music business? I mean, I'm sure there are a couple things that we would probably do differently, but generally speaking, I, I would not want to have it go any other way. And, and part of that is because it was humbling to be a band for that long and have local success, but yet we weren't able to get a record deal for a very long time. And it was also humbling to put out a, a, a record with the label and, and have it be considered not successful. I think it prepared us better for, tra for Tragic Kingdom because if our first record was as successful as Tragic Kingdom, we would have been younger in our early 20s. I don't know if we could have handled it as well. And, but we loved our band. We, did, we were doing it because we loved it. And that's why we kept doing it for so long. And that's what I would say to any artist, do it, do it because you love it, man. Like, and if, if something else comes out of that, what a bonus. It's great talking to you, man. Thank you so much. Lovely. Thank yeah. you. Pleasure. Thanks. <laughs>